Weird times, creepy crimes, and unexplained phenomena. If it's weird and it's in Florida, it's on the SoFlo Weird Show. I'm your host and head weirdo, Mia Lorenzo. Today's show is dedicated to those adventurous truth seekers, those who do not get frightened by a ghost story or beast sighting, but rather look for evidence to prove their existence. This is where my favorite legend tripper comes in, Rob Robinson. He's like Indiana Jones on a freakish fact-finding mission and always on the hunt for the truth. In fact, he's even written a how-to book on the subject. I visited Rob in his very cool man cave in Central Florida, which was filled with movie posters related to these creatures and a life-size silhouette cutout of Florida's skunk ape. Reproduction of castings of footprints found in various locations around the United States. You got the famous Roger Patterson one up there, which I can call it a second generation. And the crippled Bigfoot print was found up in Washington State. You've got the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which was found down in Honey Island. In After being Louisiana. in awe of his surroundings and praising his wife Tracy for dedicating the west wing of their home for his monstrous materials, I wondered where the term legend tripping came from. Uh, the term legend tripping has actually been around, you know, since the 70s. Uh, unfortunately, it was given kind of a bad rap uh, about kids, you know, breaking into buildings to do ghost hunts and, you know, you know, trespassing and stuff like that. And, you know, some kids have been injured doing that. You know, as a kid, I used to read stories, you know, about the Hardy Boys and you know, the Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators and, you know, watch Johnny Quest. And uh, the reason I came up with it was I was looking for something that expanded past cryptozoology because, I mean, while I do like to go out and look for Bigfoot, I also like looking, you know, ghost hunting, going out looking for UFO and UFO sightings, buried treasure, you know, anything that is mysterious and has, you know, a story behind it. I like going to look at it. And I saw the term, which was actually associated with, a, with Tom Sawyer, believe it or not. Tom Sawyer is actually uh, considered a legend tripper. And, uh, you know, The Goonies, that yeah. movie that came out, that was yeah. a considered legend trip. Of course, too. yeah, now that you say that, absolutely. Yeah, there was going to be a sequel to that movie and involved a haunted house, but it never transpired. But uh, I liked it, and I started using it, and I noticed it just seemed people kind of caught on to it. In fact, most of the time when uh, I'm referred to as a legend tripper, when I went out to film an episode for Finding Bigfoot, it came up and the producer go, oh, you're the legend tripper. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'll, <laughs> that sounds I'll good. Be, I'll, I'll be the legend tripper. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So have you always been adventurous as a child? Like, is this just something that's always yeah. been in you? Yeah, I would say yes. I mean, I've never been one of those kids to like to sit around and, you know, read books and video games and all that. I just like to get out and do stuff. And, you know, when I was forced to read books, you know, it used, it used to be on stuff uh, about, you know, legends and stuff like that. I mean, the way, you know, I got into it, believe it or not, it, and I, it, it's funny because uh, it, I always say, how did you get into it? And I always say it's two movies, The Legend of Boggy Creek and The Exorcist. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. and and bottom line, they both scared me. Oh yeah, Exorcist the, was bad. <laughs> yeah, scared me really bad. Yeah, yeah we, well, me and a friend snuck into that one. Yeah. Being a twelve-year-old, yeah, right. We were on our way out after watching it, you know, and I hear a couple talking, and they said, "Yeah, it happened. It's a true story. It happened to a twelve-year-old little boy." And I look at my friend Tommy. I went, "Did you hear that? <laughs> we're twelve years old." And he goes, "No, I'm twelve and a half. <laughs> you are on the other end. You're going to get possessed." Anyway, you know, it did leave a kind of me jolted. I got home and said, uh-oh, I think my bed's moving and all that stuff. And my mom had to call a priest in to come talk to me and assure me that I wasn't <laughs> going to get possessed. But I started reading about that. 
and found out, you know, the actual story is more of a poltergeist incident than it actually is a, you know, what it was depicted in the movie. But it, you know, it, it did happen. You know, the church did authorize an exorcism of the, the little boy that it happened to. And when I saw The Legend of Boggy Creek, you know, almost same story. We were in the drive-in, didn't know what the movie was even about. You know, if you ever see the movie, it starts off by saying this is a true story. And then all of a sudden it, you know, picks a large uh Bigfoot type creature down in the town of Falk, Arkansas, and it came out in 1974. And uh, you know, I got home and I was like, "What if that thing's in our backyard?" Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> a very you impressionable know? movie. It was, you know. We and actually have the trailer here, uh, which yes. is pretty cool. <laughs> Here in this primitive river-bottom wilderness in southern Arkansas, along with deer, duck, crane, and beaver, lurks a creature that walks upright. Whether it is a man, a monster, or a myth, no one really knows. What we do know is the people around Falk, Arkansas, say they have seen such a creature nearly 250 times since 1954. And that this creature, whatever it is, emits one of the most terrifying sounds ever recorded. How long has no, it been just, since you've seen that? Ah, uh, well... Like I said, uh, 1974 that it came out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I tell you, that movie, I remember watching it sitting behind the back seat with just my eyes sticking over it. <laughs> and this movie, left, you know, it was a double feature. And this movie left such an impression on me that I don't even remember what the second movie was that came on. <laughs> you know? And again, like The Exorcist, I started researching. Come to, and I, I had a teacher who I... I mentioned it too, and she goes, "Well, have you ever heard of Bigfoot or the Yeti?" And I was like, "What are you doing? So these are similar to that." And, and you know, I looked in the book, I mean, the library, and found uh, you know books by Ivan T. Sanderson and John Keel, and some others. And I just, you know, my fear turned into intrigue, yeah, curiosity. And then later, yeah. I would say passion. If I had to do a book report on anything in school, I would go get one of those books because again, I wasn't, I didn't really like reading and that if I didn't have to oh yeah you know yeah. but when I did it was the books about you know the, and and of course I did read them because I needed to know more about what was going on and uh you know it just uh it just transpired and got more and more that tv show in search of yeah came on and I've just and I you know even more than Bigfoot you know you had uh, the Oak Island Money Pit, which it was first shown on that uh, movie before the TV show even came out. Uh, ghosts, haunted places, uh, uh, UFOs, UFO uh, landings, crashes like Roswell. Mm -hmm. All was on that show in search of. And I tell you, it just... And then another thing, in 1976, my parents took me to a place when we were going through Gatlinburg. It was called World of the Unexplained. It was owned by Ripley's, believe it or not. It was a museum, but it was all dedicated to the unexplained. Oh, cool. And again, I came out of there like I know exactly what my, yeah, my path is going to lead me to. There I'm you gonna go. be, that's what I want to <laughs> do. I want to go out and look for this stuff. So um, that's pretty much how I got into it. And, and being an outdoorsy kind of kid, I like being outside, especially at night. Mm -hmm. I guess somebody said, why do you, 
like doing it. And I said, I like the feeling of it. It's like a roller coaster. You know, you're out at night. It's both scary and exciting at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the the unknown and now you have your own book yes yes and I did. and what's and this is this is this book is really cool it's it's called legend tripping the ultimate adventure and what's cool about it is you break it out into different areas and you yes. discuss that and then it's sort of a how-to guide like if you want to go in search yes. and legend trip what you're going to need what to look out for how to be safe uh and all that stuff which is really really cool the one thing I wanted to mention was this here where you say, in some cases, you look outside the box. Yes. You know, with legend tripping, I, in fact, I call it, you know, um, adventure outside the box as well. Um, but it's, you know, because let's be real, you're thinking outside the box is out of the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, real Bigfoot, haunted houses, UFOs, they're out of the norm. Of course. Of course. So you got to go with an open mind. Yes. But I always just tell people, too, I keep an open mind, but not so open that my brains fall out. A legend tripper lives to find weird places and explore them. In here somewhere I read that scientists that dispel what these are, but legend trippers are the ones that go out and explore it. Yeah. Just recently I was talking to a scientist and we brought, you know, the whole reason he wanted to talk was about Bigfoot or here in Florida, the Florida Skunk Cape. But he made a comment that he goes, you know, technically there's nothing in in science saying these animals can't be here. Scientists are just saying there's nothing they've seen to say that they're there, but there's not saying they can't be. Right, right. So with you cryptozoologists or monster hunters out there, you know, out there looking, once you find it, then, you know, we scientists step in and, you know, examine it and write our, right, you know, right. our, uh, our papers on it and stuff. But, you know, he said it's good that you guys are out there because, you know, we don't get the backing to go out and look for these things because we don't. You know, he says, no offense there, Rob. We don't have the proof to go out and do it. I mean, we, yeah, we get stories all the time about these animals out there. And, so you, you know, almost work hand in hand. Like yes. you're, the, you're, the, you're the boots on the ground, and they're the eyeballs in the lab. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we, I, I joke to him, too. I say, well, if I find, you know, I'm, I don't believe in going out and killing one of these animals. You know, I don't take a weapon with me. I take bear mace. But anyway, but that's not to say if I didn't walk up on a dead Bigfoot, that I would just say, oh, to dig Biff, and you know, I would definitely try to recover this right. carcass. And I always joke. I said, I'd find me the nearest Wendy's, and I'd shove it in their freezer. <laughs> Wendy's has a gigantic freezer, by <laughs> the way. Okay. Yeah. And how and, do you know that? <laughs> uh, well, I had a friend of mine work at Wendy's, <laughs> okay. and he showed because we were. But anyway, because I couldn't take it to the hospital and all those other places because they'd call the, the the police department and of they course, would take it away yeah. from me real quick. Mm-hmm. Which. Once I put it out there that I have one, you know, let's be real. Somebody's going to come take it away from me. Yeah. And, I mean, I I do understand that, mm-hmm. you know, because scientists want to know, you know, they want to know what this animal is. We've got to pause for the cause, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more weird stories after this short break. We continue our conversation with legend tripper Rob Robinson. I asked him what sightings or discoveries have been found in Florida. Florida is number three for Bigfoot sightings in the nation. Oh, really? A lot of people don't know that. Okay. And the animal is seen all over the place. The only place I know it's never been seen is in the Keys, the Key West. Well, well, I was about to ask you, is it because we're around water, but then it's not in the Keys, so that doesn't Mm. quite make sense. But it's seen, you know, up, you know, Homestead and that area over there, heading Mm -hmm. toward uh, the Everglades. Um, I have seen uh, some things in the thermo at night, Mm -hmm. you know. Okay. when we were doing a uh, a an investigation up near uh, 
Torreya State Park. We uh, had some people that had something on their property, and we, you know, I saw a large eight foot with a thermal. Wow. Mm-hmm. We've later on found tracks and stuff. I have been to some places that have been haunted. One of the uh, places where I actually had a, a something happen was in Jupiter, Jupiter Lighthouse. We went with our family. And we went up to the top. My uh, mother-in-law stayed at the bottom because she's got bad knees. She couldn't go up the stairs. We're all at the top, and I hear somebody walking up the stairs. And I maybe look down to see my mother-in-law sitting at a little bench, and then I look, I go in, and I look down, and I don't see anything. Yeah. I said, huh. So I, you know, come back out, and I listen, and I hear it again, and it's distinct, you know, somebody come up the metal circular stairs inside there. Again, I walk in and look down, and it stops. Yeah. And I kept thinking, now, how's that happening? Even if it was a done by a natural source, you know, a bucket hitting the side of it, it would continue on. Why would it stop with me coming in there and looking down? Yeah, yeah. And my my daughter come up, and she goes, Is she this? heard it too? She goes, Who's in there? Who's coming up here? And I said, There's nobody. She goes, I, You know, she <laughs> gave me a look like, a, and she looks down there. And goes, Oh wow, wow. <laughs> so anyway. Um, I said, well, I'm going to go down to the bottom of the stairs and see what happens. So I run down there, and I come out, and I wave to her that I'm at the bottom, and I'm listening, and then I hear it again. And she, she yells, says, yeah, I can hear it. It's really strong. I'm like, whatever it is, it's coming at the top. And I run in there. It's coming up. after you now. <laughs> yeah. And, well, she was a little scared to poke her oh, head in yeah, there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But uh, we never did find out. Well, we didn't see what made. And I looked around on the stairs to see if it was man-made or you know, something was causing it to, that we could explain. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when we were leaving, I was talking to the people in the gift shop, and I mentioned it, and she goes, oh, yeah, our lighthouse, lighthouse is haunted. And she goes, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, what you've seen, you know, heard is, we've had that happen numerous times, and we've had people see a little girl there, oh, you know, stop okay. at the top. So, and I went, Wow. Is there a story about it? Is uh, a little it in girl here? was uh, no, ma'am. I didn't uh, put it about oh, that oh, one okay, there. I, okay. I, I probably should have. Yeah. Now that I'm talking about it. Well, in here you do say that a lot of lighthouses are in fact yes. haunted. The only one that I know is a Ponce de Leon lighthouse in Daytona is the only lighthouse that I have been told is not haunted. Okay. Every other lighthouse, yeah. even the one over next to uh, Cape Canaveral, yes, or, yes, is supposed to be haunted. So, I mean, and the people that work at these uh, lighthouses are pretty open about it, you know, mm-hmm. especially the one in St. Augustine. They're yeah. They're very open about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. St. Augustine's got a lot of stuff. Um, as far as other things, uh, I haven't seen any lake monsters yet. I have uh, been, you know, over the, up at, to the town of Astor uh, in Ocala National Forest where they've had some sightings and I haven't seen anything as of yet. You know, like I said, a lot of it's just uh, pretty much the skunk ape stuff. Um, but you're been, always on the hunt. Always. You monitor websites and everything. Yes. Do you ever, like if somebody records something or somebody says something, do you investigate that? Do you talk to them? Like, uh, Actually, both. Both. Um, okay. So there's so there's a network going yes. on. There's a big network? Yeah. I'll okay. look at it. Yeah. I mean, we got the, the BRFO. I'm not a member, but I do know Matt Moneymaker real well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a group called the Sasquatch Hunters. Uh, they're kind of just... I'm not, I don't think they're in full force anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and even MUFON. Yeah. You know, the UFO. Yeah. Uh-huh. They get Bigfoot sightings too. Or, oh, wow. You know, okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. First, I'll get a hold of the report. I'll read it, look at it, look at it on the map, mm-hmm. and then I'll try to get a hold of the witness if I'm lucky enough to find out who the witness is. You know, sometimes 
you can't get a hold of them. And then, of course, I go out to the area and find mm-hmm. out what, you know. That's good. Explain to me what your book really provides. I know I said a little bit mm-hmm. in here because with your background being military police mm-hmm. and, and all that, obviously you have these survivor skills. Yeah. Do you have to have any, like if I wanted to go check this out, do I have to have any special skills or training um, or anything like that? Well, no. Okay. You just I mean, need book, to be prepared, yes. Yes, and your book helps people to do yeah. that. And uh, one of the reasons I wrote it, because I did run into people that weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if you're going to go in the woods, you need to have stuff to, and be prepared if something should happen that you end up staying overnight. Right. You know, because I, you know, I was with some people, and uh, they got stuck out there overnight, and all they had was a flashlight and a camera. Yeah, well. And luckily, <laughs> we finally got to them. But I, you know, I kept thinking, you guys may have had to spend the night, and you were, you have no you skills Ill, whatsoever to build a shelter yeah. and all. Uh-huh. And then, of course, one of the, the, the guys, well, I guess you have everything. And I pulled out my backpack and said, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I have a sleeping bag in there. I've got right. a shelter. I have food. I have, you know, I make sure, even though I anticipate, you know, I plan on a day trip. I don't plan on a day trip. I plan on something that might not turn right. into a plan. Right. You know? And I got that from the military. Mm-hmm. You always, you know, worst case scenario, what right. if this happens? Yeah. And, um, you know, there's nothing worse than getting out there and not being prepared. There's steps in planning of it. You can't, it can't be a, a, a spontaneous thing or something, but, you know, it's not going to happen. And then, funny thing is, that did happen. I mean, my very first legend trip when I was in high school, I read a book about Momo. Mm-hmm. That's a Bigfoot sighting in Missouri, Missouri in the town of yeah. Louisiana, Missouri. And I convinced my friends to go with me because I lived on the other side of uh, Missouri, right on the Kansas border. Actually, I lived in Kansas, right on the Missouri border. And I convinced those guys that we should need to take a road trip over to this town. Like, oh, let's go look for Momo. Well, we did, but we didn't pack. We didn't take any camping equipment. We didn't take, I mean, we had money. But come to find <laughs> out, we, you know, we ended okay. up having to sleep in the car. Yeah. And it just, you know, we didn't have a flashlight. We didn't have anything. We had to go over to a, of course, they didn't have the Walmarts there. We ended up going to a Kmart to get a flashlight. And my friends kind of lost interest in the whole thing. And part of it was just we weren't prepared. And being in the military, that's one thing you do learn to be in the military is be prepared and have everything you need to go on missions. Yeah. And when I got, you know, retired and I started going out with some of these Bigfoot hunters and seeing how, you know, again, not prepared they were, I decided I needed to start getting something on paper. I really like the book. It, it, Like I said, it, it breaks down everything. If somebody wants to legend trip, this is an awesome book. It's called Legend Tripping, The Ultimate Adventure. I'll have a copy of it on my, on my website, uh, soflowweird.com. So thank you, Rob. Thank, thank you, you for your time. And yeah. um, uh, maybe I'll join you on one of these legend yeah, trips. You're, all, yeah, you're always welcome. <laughs> okay, thanks. That was legend tripper Rob Robinson. You'll hear more from Rob in future episodes. Next up is the unsolved mystery of Flight 19. This story is not an urban legend, but it does have alien-like undertones. It is brought to you by Florida's master of the weird, Charlie Carlson, and can be found in his Strange Florida 2 book. What happened to Flight 19? Were the pilots victims of the Bermuda Triangle? On December 5, 1945, five TBM Avenger planes took off from the Opelika Naval Air Station near Fort Lauderdale on a routine training mission. They were to fly a triangular pattern 160 miles to the east, then 40 miles to the north, and back to home base. The flight time was calculated to take two hours, 
The five planes took off at 2 p.m. in clear weather and were soon over the Atlantic when something very strange happened. At approximately 3.15, the tower at Fort Lauderdale received an emergency call from the flight leader, Lieutenant Charles Taylor. We cannot see land. We're not sure of our position. We seem to be lost. We don't know which way is west. Everything is wrong. Strange. We can't be sure of any direction. Even the ocean doesn't look as it should. Later, he sent a second message. All of our compasses are out. It became increasingly difficult to hear the fading communication due to static. Although the tower could vaguely hear talk between the planes, the pilots apparently could not hear transmissions from the tower. In one of the last transmissions, one of the pilots radioed. Every gyro and magnetic compasses are off. Going crazy, with each showing a different reading. In some accounts, you will read how a ham radio operator picked up communications from Lieutenant Taylor, allegedly saying, Don't come after us. They look like they're from outer space. There is no evidence of this message, and the official records make no mention of it. It is most likely a fabrication of urban mythmakers. All communication was soon lost, as well as the five planes of Flight 19. This is when a massive air and sea search was launched to find the planes. One of the first planes to go looking for the missing aircraft was a twin-engine Martin Mariner with 13 crewmen on board dispatched from the Banana River Naval Air Station. 23 minutes after takeoff, the Martin Mariner vanished about 25 miles east of New Smyrna Beach. A blimp from Daytona and surface craft from the New Smyrna Coast Guard Station were immediately sent to search for the missing Martin Mariner. All total, six planes with 23 crewmen had mysteriously vanished within two hours, an event that launched the largest search in U.S. naval history, involving hundreds of surface and aircraft extending from Key West to Bermuda to the coast of Maine. Night and day, the military searched for the missing planes, but found no sign of the lost planes or crewmen. Note, in the opening scene of Steven Spielberg's movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you will see scientists checking the engine numbers of five Avengers, which were found in the Southwest Desert. This fictional scene is based on the true disappearance of Flight 19. It implies they were captured by a UFO. What the hell is happening here? It's flight number 19. 19 what? It's that training mission from the naval air station at Fort Lauderdale. They were doing target runs on an old Hulk. Who flies crates like these anymore? No one. These planes were reported missing in 1945. There's a whole menu of theories about what happened to these planes, among which include space aliens, a force from Atlantis, undersea hydrates of methane gas, vortexes, a magnetic storm, water spouts, freak weather conditions, and of course, the infamous Bermuda Triangle. The only thing known for sure is that five TBM Avengers with 10 crewmen and a twin-engine Martin Mariner with a crew of 13 vanished from the face of the earth on the evening of December 5th, 1945, never to be heard from again. Not one piece of debris, life vests, or anything has ever been found.
Know of a weird place or have a weird tale to tell? Go to SoFloWeird.com. If you want more strange Florida stories, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit us on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Mia Lorenzo, and I'd like to give a special shout out to Ross Cooper, who helped in telling this story. Thank you for listening to the SoFlow Weird Show. This has been a Sideshow Charlie production, inspired by Florida's master of the weird, Charlie Carlson. Stay weird, everybody.